you don't know who I am, my name is Pastor Harris. I'm the lead pastor here at First Open Bible in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. I'm glad to be bringing God's word this morning to you. Uh, a couple things. Uh, first off, thank you everyone that helped get this started. Man, I don't know how many nights that I lost sleep figuring out how to get this monster together, how to get the water in, and how somehow today we're going to get the water out as well. So I hope you all brought some buckets with you. Thank you. Or if you can hold your hands like this as you leave, I'd appreciate it. Amen. Uh, not really. We, are, we do have a we do have a way to get it out. We just haven't tried it yet, and we're about to. But I'm so thankful for everybody that had this. Um, help, help me get this together and, and the service today. Thank you, tech team, worship team, organizing, uh, Pastor Mark, Michael Sedlicek, everybody who had a part. Doug, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Amen. It's our first baptism service inside of the building, and uh, what a blessing, right? And so we usually have a big baptism service, about, I don't know, 20-ish people get baptized every summer and uh, in Pastor Sonny and Kay's pool, and uh, well, they didn't open it yet, so <laughs> we, uh, we went this route, and I'm very thankful. Now we get to baptize more than once a year. What a blessing. <laughs> Amen. What a blessing. Hallelujah. Hey, before I get into the word today, I uh, just want to invite you to open up your cell phone, get into the Bible app. Hopefully you have version. If you have version, go ahead and uh, open that app up. Uh, we've done this all last month and we're going to continue to do it as long as it works. I've heard a lot of uh, good things that people really like opening up this app and getting notes uh, from the sermon. So if you open up your version, you go to the bottom, there's three little lines and it says more. Okay, click on that more button. Then you're going to see a few things down. You're going to see where it says events. Click on events. And as long as you're here local, you'll probably see First Church of the Open Bible, which is our official name. We go by First Open Bible. Um, and uh, you'll see that. You can click on it. There should be today's notes right there in front of you. And if you want to keep those notes, press the button at the top right that says save. Otherwise, in about a week when we put new notes out, these will be gone. So open your Bible app, version. click on more, bottom right, uh, click on events, go to our event here, and then press save. And you can follow along. Amen. It's not on there. Oh, Pastor Mark, where is he? Okay. He is changing. Hallelujah. So Pastor Mark, I guess, did not do it. I'm sorry. Uh, I usually send my notes to him, and he, and he puts it out there. So uh, yeah, so you'll see, do you see next, uh, last week's notes? Okay, that, yes or no? I heard both. Are you confused? Yes or no? I don't. <laughs> if you do, uh, that's for you that didn't show up last week. Amen. So please follow along. Otherwise, follow along with me right now. So what a beautiful and incredible and important time we just had with water baptisms. Praise the Lord. It's a beautiful time. This morning... Uh, I'm going to be talking about baptisms. See, throughout church history, there have been many issues that divide denominations and create confusion among believers. No church or churchgoer, believe it or not, will fully know each and every answer to spiritual things until we're face to face with our Creator, the Omniscient One, the All Knowing God. 
Now, water baptism is one of those subjects that divides groups of believers. Some people, water baptism, it doesn't matter at all. Maybe you've heard this before. While others believe if you're not baptized in water, then you're not even saved. Maybe you've heard that before. With all the confusion, many believers still don't understand what baptism is or is not. Now, I pray that we clear the air, sweep away the dust, and get clarity according to God's word this morning on what is water baptism and what it is not. Amen? You ready? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Amen. Amen. First off, I want you to, to know this. Water baptism and baptizing the Spirit are not the same thing. These are clearly and biblically two separate baptisms. One is in physical water, and the other is with spiritual fire, from power, from on high. Today, I'm only going to be preaching on water baptism. If you want to know about being baptized in the Holy Ghost, don't miss Pentecost. And really, don't miss some Sundays, because every once in a while I throw it in there. Here's the most important question that needs answered. What is water baptism? Here's the second most important question. What's the purpose of water baptism? When you're looking for answers... You should go to the word of God first. Church, say first. first. Not your neighbor and not Google. Okay? It's true. So let's do that now. Let's go to the word of God. Amen? So where did water baptism start for followers of Jesus? Where did this all start? The first thing that Jesus did in his earthly ministry was get baptized in water. Let's go to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's the New Testament. If you didn't bring your Bible today, that's all right. We got a Bible right in front of you. If you're sitting in a pew, if you're in the front, it's right below you. Feel free to pull that out and grab it if you want. You can follow along up here as well. Or in your Bible app, you can follow along. One thing we don't have is notes. Moving on. Okay. Matthew 3. Uh, it's okay. You know, the altar's open for everyone, including myself. Hallelujah. Just lay it down, Pastor. Lay it down and move on. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 3, we're going to start. So 3 is the big number, and then verse 13 is the little number. Now, the Bible wasn't written, and I've said this before. They were, they were written by books, right? Books, it's a collection of books that makes the Word of God. But the chapters and the verses were not in there. This was done hundreds of years later. And the reason for that is that way I don't say, turn to your Bible in Matthew and try to find what I'm about to say, right? It's very, very difficult. So you go to chapter three, which is the big number, and we're gonna start in the little number, 13, okay? All right, if you're there, say, I'm there. All right, Matthew 3, 13. I'm gonna read out of the NLT, which is New Living Translation. Then Jesus went to Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. Now, if you know who that is, that's John the Baptist, who is actually his second cousin, uh, and uh, what was John the Baptist? What was his main thing? He was what? Preparing the way for the Lord. Amen. He was preparing the way for the Lord. All right, verse 14. But John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one who needs to be baptizing you, he said. So why are you coming to me? I don't know about you, but if Jesus asked me to do anything like that, I'd be the same way. No, Jesus, you do this. You're the savior of the world. But this is what Jesus said in verse 15. He said, 
it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. Verse 16, after his baptism, as Jesus came out of the water, the heavens opened up and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Awesome. So this is interesting and this is very important. First thing is Jesus modeled to us as believers before he even started his earthly ministry. The first thing was he got baptized in water. Now, some of y'all didn't hear some of my prayers, but I was led by the spirit and some of the people I was feeling like they are called into some sort of ministry. And when I was anointing them, that was a representation of the Holy Spirit falling upon them. That's what the, this anointing oil is for, is you anoint them as a representation. And a few times I was, I was praying and saying, I feel like God right now is saying that you are going to be stepping in to a new call. You're going to be stepping in to your call now that you have been obedient to what God has said for you to do. And I was just led by that because this is exactly what happened with Jesus. So I want to, the ones that think water baptism is not important, I want to say this to you. Then why did Jesus do it? That's a valid question, right? Not to mention the last words from Jesus' mouth to his followers before he ascended into heaven. And these are those words. It's called the Great Commission. In Matthew 28, these are our verses for the church. I know a lot of churches have different verses. And I felt like when I first became lead pastor almost eight years ago or so, that why would we seek out another verse when we haven't fulfilled the first verses that Jesus told us to do. So this is, these are our verses for our church. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven on earth. Jesus is saying this. So now he's talking to his disciples and he says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So the first thing that Jesus did before his earthly ministry started was he got baptized in water. And then the last words out of his mouth before he ascended into heaven was commanding his followers to go and make disciples everywhere to the ends of the earth and to baptize them in water. Church, we should not minimize what God emphasized. Y'all quiet this morning. Come on now. This ain't a museum. You don't got to be quiet. This ain't a library either. We got books. Church, we should not minimize what God emphasized. This morning is not only a great celebration. Today is also an act of godly obedience. Baptism is a sacrament that is done in obedience to Christ's command. It communicates the essential Christian truth that God has wonderful grace for us. Another way to say this is this. When Jesus said, come and follow me, come and follow me, I believe it includes water baptism just like he did. Now I accepted Christ in ninth grade, changed my life around. I grew up in the church, hated the church because the church I felt like hated me. I was mistreated and... Uh, you know, imagine this, I was a loud mouth and got out. I know, you can laugh, it's fine. 
I've accepted it, okay? Yeah, it's fine. Uh, I talked a lot, got in trouble a lot. I wasn't a troublemaker, but, well, I had a hard time being quiet. And so the church I went to was very, very quiet and very, very dry and honestly very, very dead um, that I grew up in. And, And we went to church and we were not the church. And I had a real hard time knowing who God was and who I was with him. Until I went to a church that preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, the love, the grace, and the mercy that God would accept me for me, who I am right now. And he loves me enough, he won't leave me there. He won't allow me to keep being who I am and what I've done and the way I think and the way I talk. But he loves me now because he accepts me now for where I am. And he loves me enough that he wants me to go in his direction and not follow the world anymore. When I heard that gospel, I stood to my feet. I couldn't even stand it, that God would love me I thought God hated me because God's people didn't treat me right. But that's, that was ignorant. Raise your hand if you're perfect. Exactly. It's just like, you know, people have church hurt, right? But you'd have more work hurt if you gave your heart to your, work, your fellow workers, but you give your heart to, to the church people, and that's why you got church hurt. You expect things greater. You expect people at, at work to be bad, but you don't expect people at church to be bad. But you know what? Nobody perfect. There's nobody perfect. But we're serving the perfect one. And when I realized that people are people and God is God, and I realized there's not a perfect church because I entered it. That's the only amen I ever heard from you. It's messed up. It's hurtful, but it's okay. Meet me at the altar, brother. Okay. It's true, though. I was just so thankful for God and his salvation. So in ninth grade, I accepted Christ. I gave him my life. I turned things around. And and there was things that I loved that I no longer loved. And I didn't understand why. It was the leading of the Holy Spirit because I was once dead and now I'm alive in Christ. And, And sometimes I didn't even realize it. And he was changing my thoughts. And then I was sprinkled on the head as a baby. And I'm about to teach on uh, what, what the Bible says, uh, what baptism actually is. But I, I had a choice then after salvation to say, should I be baptized? Two years later, when I was a junior in high school, I got baptized with my sister and, I'm sorry, not my sister, my mom and my brother. My brother and sister didn't live with us at the time yet. Uh, they were adopted later. But we, uh, we all got to go up at church and have this celebration all member the rest of my life. It was an incredible, incredible time. And that's what I love about baptism. It represents so, so many things. When you come and follow Jesus, I believe it includes being baptized in water. I want us to look at Mark. So there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So it's another book, right? These are these, Some of these books that we're reading are people that actually walk with Jesus at the time and they're writing things down. What they saw, what they heard, um, what Jesus did and, and, and how they interpret that. That's why Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they have a lot of similar stories. They're not exactly the same, but they're the same story. Just like if you and I were out somewhere watching someone, we'd probably write down the same story, but we'd have different perspectives. Like myself, I love details. I'd be very, very detailed, probably like Luke who was a physician, he's very, very detailed. And some of you might be like John because you're connected to your feelings and you start talking about a lot of how that felt and the situation that happened and and how you are with God and things like that. So uh, Mark, he describes this same event in his book in chapter one. So that's the big number. We go to verse nine, the little number. That's where I'm gonna start. 
It says this, one day Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and John baptized him in the Jordan River. As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit is descending on him like a dove. Verse 11, and a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. Then verse 12 says, the spirit then compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness. Interesting. I want to make just a couple observations this morning. Number one, Jesus came up out of the water. This means that he was what? Under the water. He was submerged. Being baptized, the actual word means submerged. It means completely under water. He wasn't sprinkled, but instead he was submerged all the way in the water. Uh, another observation is this, number two. Thanks, Josh, for doing this. Nazareth to the Jordan River was a very long walk. It was miles on miles. So baptism was something that needed to be thought about, calculated, and considered, right? Being baptized in water is something you need to want to do, and it has to be settled in your heart to do before you do it. Eight people up here got baptized, and they can tell you right now, Looking at you is sometimes scary. They had to settle in their heart that they were willing to get up here in front of hundreds of people on a camera and say, I'm willing to stand here and say, I'm going to follow Jesus and get baptized in water. Another observation, the third one that I, that I observed here was after water baptism, the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus. Said he, it wasn't a dove, it descended like a dove. Right? It was an explanation of what it was like that they could describe physically what spiritually was taking place. And there was a heavenly recognition, a powerful recognition from God himself who spoke about his son. It's pretty cool. Here's the fourth thing that I observed when I read Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 12. After the heavenly recognition, the Holy Spirit led Jesus. Interesting. The Holy Spirit led him into one of the most difficult challenges he had to face. Eight people who were baptized don't think everything's going to be great from this moment forward. Okay? For Jesus, it was the second greatest challenge that he probably ever had in his earthly life was immediately after he was baptized. But I also want to say this. I wrote but, B-U-T, right? And, and they're all caps, which I love, right? It means there's something else. What I also observed about this when Jesus, or the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness, led him to one of the most difficult challenges he had to face. The Holy, the Holy Spirit also led Jesus to one of the most significant victories of his life as well. He defeated the devil. Amen. And how did he defeat the devil? Say it like you know it. Come on now. With the word. Eight people baptized. You got to know your word. The devil's coming after you. He does not like that you publicly told everybody you're going to follow Jesus. He doesn't like that you have a church family here that's supporting you. He doesn't like it. But guess what? You don't have to fail. You have victory in Christ Jesus through his word. Remind the devil of his defeat. 
Remind the devil that you're no longer going back. Remind the devil that you're not living like that anymore. Remind the devil, amen, that you are Jesus's and his alone. You have renounced the world and you're following Christ. Guess what? You're going to fail. You're going to fall. Get back up. Try again. Welcome to the family of God. I do it all the time. Amen. My wife just said, amen. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Okay, baby. Okay. Hallelujah. She did one of these. <laughs> Ooh, glory. <laughs> okay, moving on. He's perfect, baby. Now, these are just a few observations, these four observations that I, I got when I was reading and studying this week, but, but God put these in the Word for a reason. The Word's there for a reason. Sometimes when you read something, ask the Holy Spirit, why is this in here? Why is it in here? What's the purpose behind this? So let's wrap up a little bit of what I just talked about. So water baptism is by immersion in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Water baptism is powerful and God recognizes it. And the Holy Spirit anoints it. And water baptism is something you must want to do. It's an outward sign of an inward work and follows the same example that was set before us from Jesus Christ himself, okay? Now let's talk about the symbolism of baptism. What does baptism represent? It's a great question. Now this baptism tank, this holy hot tub, hallelujah. Somebody been calling it all week. It's a holy hot tub. Mm-mm. Make your own bubbles. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> I had to step out of the pulpit for that because that was not God. That was me. Hallelujah. Oh, that's messed up, Pastor. Okay. Act like you've never done it. Okay. The baptism tank. This baptism tank, it shows the past, the present, and your future. See, water baptism symbolizes death and burial. Baptism is an identification with Christ in his death. When we die to self, that means we go into the water. That's the representation. And we're resurrected into newness of life through God's spirit is when we come out of the water. Amen. When you go down into the water, you're baptized into his death. See, in God's eyes, this baptismal, this pool, this holy hot tub is a watery tomb. The old you is now gone and buried and the new life is rising up. See, Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4 tell us this. Or have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and we were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power from the Father, now we are made live, living new lives. We now live in these new lives. See, this service in a way is a funeral. It's a funeral. It's a funeral of an old way of living, a funeral for an old life that eight people used to live. These lost people 
are now dead to sin and buried because they are now have been found and they're alive in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. See, in water baptism, you go down in the water in your past, your guilt, your shame, your sins, your devils you've been, that have been chasing you, your old ways of living, your old ways of thinking are buried with Christ Jesus. Then you come up in newness of life. Baptism represents a new creation. Just like you said, a rebirth. We have now become in Christ. Hallelujah. What else does water baptism represent? Church, it publicly represents our current salvation and our future resurrection. Let me read Romans 6, 5 through 11. So we're going to keep reading. It says this, since we've been united with him in his death, we also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Amen. Verse 8. And since we died with Christ, we now, I'm sorry, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. Last verse, verse 11. So you, you church also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. See, water baptism shows our current life with Jesus and our future resurrection. Going into the water, your past is taken care of. Coming out of the water, there's newness of life, but it doesn't stop there. One day you're going to be raised back to life again, like Christ is right now. We will have resurrected bodies. And I don't know about y'all, but I'll have an eight pack. Amen. Yeah, because I ain't got one now. Mm -mm. It's, it's down there, it's just being warmed by things on top of it <laughs> my eight pack is uh ready for the winter all the time so <laughs> amen amen that's all right that's all right water baptism proclaims publicly your identification with christ jesus Matthew 10, 32 says, everyone who acknowledges me, so this is Jesus talking, everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, should you hide your light under a bushel? Oh no, I'm gonna let it shine. Come on. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, Jesus says, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven, do not be ashamed to be a Christian, especially right now. Man, is it a hot mess. Part of the reason why it's a hot mess is because you have been quiet. Church, I'm not saying be annoying where you just go off blaming everybody for their sins and don't ever look in a mirror, right? The Bible says that you point out their speck and you got a log sticking out of your eye. That's not what I'm saying, right? If all you're doing is blaming the world and you're not praying for it, you don't understand the love of God. But what I am saying is when it's time to speak up, you better 
Because if you don't, how will anyone else know the truth? Right? You got to acknowledge Jesus publicly here on earth so that way Jesus will acknowledge you in private when you stand before the Father. Baptism is a scriptural public declaration of faith. Here's a personal example. I was watching this sermon and I love it. I, I kind of molded it and shaped it um, uh, for, um, for this time right here. Okay, so I got a wedding ring, right? My wife liked it. She put a ring on it. Okay. <laughs> I'm in trouble later, guys. So, <laughs> Raise your hand if you have a nice couch. I'm playing. I'm playing. Okay. I got you, Michael. I'm playing. I'm playing. Hey. Little marriage tip. Okay. We're going to have marriage stuff. No matter how mad you are at your spouse, don't sleep somewhere else. Right? Your bed is their bed is their bed is your bed. You should stay there. Right? If you can't deal with it right then and there, okay. Lay in bed. I mean, get on the edge. Whatever you got to do. That's fine. <laughs> Pretend you're sleeping. You know, slow down your breathing even though you're wide awake and you're just, you're just mad as can be and, and the fumes are coming off. You don't even need blankets. You're so hot. Okay? Whatever it is, stay in that bed. Give it to God. Get in prayer. And the next morning when you can deal with it, deal with it. But don't go somewhere else. Okay? Marriage tip. Okay, moving on. Okay. It's good. Right? The enemy wants you to separate. Jesus always wants you to reconcile. That's what he came for. Not only reconciliation through the Father, it's reconciliation with one another as well. He came to reconcile it all. Okay, I got a wedding ring. It says I belong to Sarah and to Sarah alone. When you get water baptized, you publicly say you belong to Jesus and Jesus alone. My ring doesn't make me married. Our ceremony August 21st, 2004, our marriage certificate that we signed that day and our daily faithfulness to each other, that's what says we're married. But what my wedding ring does show publicly is I am married. Baptism doesn't make you a follower of Jesus, but what it does do is it shows publicly that you are following Jesus. It shows that you're in love with God and no longer in love with this world. So here's my question. <clears throat> Who are you in love with? Who or what do you publicly and privately proclaim? Brent, will you please come? Hallelujah. So who's baptism for? Super important question. This is who baptism is for. Can I have my water, please? I got tickled. Thanks, baby. Thank you. I like that I put a ring on it too, so. <laughs> Hallelujah. Pray for Beyonce. She needs the Lord. For real. Anyway, that's another that's another sermon. Hallelujah. Who's baptism for? It is for those who are born again. <clears throat> those who have accepted Christ Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Those who are not perfect, but those who are pursuing a life of biblical purity, that they want to renounce the world and its pleasures, and instead they choose to follow Jesus. Water baptism is an outward testimony of what has happened inwardly. 
Water baptism is not the completion of one's salvation. I, I want to I park here for a second. <clears throat> Water baptism is not the completion of one's salvation. For salvation comes only from our faith confession and our yielding to the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. When you give up your lordship of your life and you give it to the Lord and Savior of Jesus. How do I know that? Because the Bible teaches, Romans 10, 9 says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Amen. Ephesians 2, 8 says this, God saved you by his grace when you believed, not by the water. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Church, your sins aren't washed away in the baptismal pool. They, are, they were washed away when you turned to Christ Jesus for salvation. It's the blood of Jesus. Baptism symbolizes what has already happened. And church, it's important. Water baptism represents the new creation we have become in Christ Jesus. So here's some questions for you. Are you a new creation? Are you a follower of Jesus? All right, I'm going for it. Okay. I've been there. I've done it. I've said the prayer, but I've never lived the life. And I want you to know, saying a prayer doesn't make you saved. If you said a prayer and you live like a heathen, you are not following Jesus. <clears throat> I got this tickle in my throat from somewhere. Devil, you ain't getting this. I got to preach the gospel. Okay. Hallelujah. That ain't never happens. God wants to do something here. Or maybe it's God saying, put a in, bro. Whew. That's the Holy Ghost. Conviction. Hallelujah. Just because you said a prayer does not make you saved, but it starts with a prayer. But you have to follow Jesus. If you're living your own life, you're thinking your own thoughts, you're going after worldly pleasures, and you're not giving God, and you're not going after him, then I'm going to say it. You're not saved. Because Christians follow Jesus. But today, you can give your life to him. Today's a great day. Today's an amazing day. Give your life to Christ. Follow him the best you can. God loves you so much. He loves you right where you're at right now. He loves you. He died for you. A follower of Jesus, church follows Jesus. You don't have to be perfect. I get up every Sunday and preach a word and I'm not perfect and I never will be. but I want to be more like Jesus every day. I do. I fail him. Mm. I mess up a lot. I say stupid things. I act a fool. I got a bad attitude. I think dumb thoughts. I get prideful. My mind's not always a great place to be in. Sometimes it looks like candy land. It's crazy in there. 
but I love Jesus and he knows I do. He knows that I wanna go after him. He knows that I've given up things in my life because I love him more than I love these things in this world. He knows that I've moved from Oregon to come here and, and there was a bunch of routes that took me here, but he knows that I've surrendered my life to him and because of that, he's using me in mighty ways. And guess what? He wants to do the exact same thing for you, but you have to yield to him. You have to say, I'm done doing it on my own. I'm done living the life that I've been living. I got to live something else. I know what it's like to live in worldly pleasures, right? I was public schooled all the way until college. And I, and I liked having all the friends I could. I said dumb things and I did dumb things, but God did protect me. But I don't live with that guilt anymore. I don't live with the shame anymore. I've been bought with a price. I'm here to tell you today that you have been bought by the highest price. The gift of salvation is free. It is. Jesus died on the cross so you can have the free gift of salvation. It's true. But let me tell you something. It's gonna cost you everything. The gift is free but then you have to yield the rest of your life. I've lived two different ways. I've lived for worldly pleasures. Let me tell you, it's fun. It is fun until it's not fun. And guess what? The world could care less about you. The devil hates you. He gives you pleasures. He hooks you. He pulls you out and he leaves you to die. But Jesus came to give life and life to the fullest. Jesus came that he, he died on the cross for your sins. That, that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord, anybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He will rescue you. Some people in the house today that need rescue. You need rescue. It's hard to understand that somebody 2,000 years ago thought of me when he died on a cross, but the Bible says it's true. Now I've experienced it before, the love of God. I can't exactly explain it other than give it a try. I'm telling you, you've never felt anything like that before. Amen. Is there anybody in the house today, I want you to think, have you decided to give the rest of your life to God and his ways? If you haven't, I'm gonna ask you here in a moment, do you want to? Do you wanna give your heart to Jesus? Or maybe there's some people in the house today you've been running from God. And you are face to face with him right now. And he's asking, do you wanna rededicate your life to him? If the answer is yes, I wanna lead you in a prayer in just a moment then I'm gonna ask you something very special today that we've never done before after that prayer. So the Bible teaches us what, how salvation comes. First and foremost, you have, to, you have to recognize that you need rescued. You have to rescue, or you have to realize that you need a savior. You have to realize that you're a sinner in need of a savior. You have to realize that, that guess what? When you die, where are you going? This life is not all that there is. There's so much more to life. 
for believers, life really, really starts once we die. Because then we get to be in the presence of the Almighty. So one of two things happen when you die. If you hear the gospel, you reject the gospel, you go to a place called hell. There's torturing, there's pain. The Bible says it's gnashing of teeth. Let me tell you, God did not design hell for the people that were created in his image. He created it for the devil and the one third of the angels that went with him instead of following their holy ways. But because of our sin and our rejection of Christ, God is a just God and he will send people to hell. People, when they die, they will go to hell. But the Bible says that Jesus came that not one shall perish. Not one shall go to hell. If you accept Christ, you might be bound for hell, but you're gonna be bound for heaven. But you gotta give him your life. You gotta give him your mind, your heart, your soul. You gotta yield to him. So when you die, you're in a place called heaven. Now, I don't know what heaven's exactly like. I don't. I know what the word of God says. Here's some things that it says. It's a place that has peace, right? There's streets of gold, there's worship, there's a banqueting table, there's mansions. Uh, it's a place that we worship the king. There's no more pain, there's no more sorrow, there's no more guilt, there's no more sickness, there's no more death. It's a place we get in the presence of God. See, the Bible says in Genesis that when God created the heavens and the earth, he created humankind, man and woman. He created Adam and Eve, and they walked with him every single day. And that's what heaven was like. Now, I joke around, and, and, and there might be unicorns and dinosaurs that we get to ride on in heaven. I don't know, but that's what would be pretty awesome. It would. But you look at creation, and God made all these animals. He made all these things, and we literally walk side by side with God every single day, and we weren't ashamed. That's what heaven's going to be like. Heaven's going to be like Florida in January. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Snowbird. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Where are you going to go when you die? The Bible tells us that we're not promised tomorrow. I got plans for tomorrow, but I'm not promised it. But I got breath in my lungs, so what am I gonna do with these next few breaths? You hear the gospel. Jesus came to rescue everyone who is lost. The Bible says if you repent and confess your sins to Jesus, right? I'm a sinner. I've done this and I've said this and I've acted like this and I've done this to this person. I've done this to myself. You confess that to God says that he is righteous and just, that he will forgive your sins. I'm telling you right now, church, there's not one thing that you could ever do, the worst of the worst, death row people themselves can be set free if they ask Jesus Christ into their life. They can be forgiven. Don't you let the enemy say you've been too far, or you're too far gone, it's impossible. His grace reaches to the furthest depths of anything you could ever imagine. 
You have to admit that you're a sinner in need of a savior. Then you have to believe and accept God's grace and receive the free gift of salvation. You say a prayer, you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth and you will be saved. But you have to publicly proclaim, I just read that verse, that Jesus is now your Lord and savior and he rose from the grave. And the Bible says when you do all these things, you're saved. You're no longer lost, you're found. So I wanna ask the question, is that you today? Is that you today? Is there anybody in the house that would like to give their heart to Christ today, maybe for the first time, or a rededication of your life that says, I want to follow Jesus. If that's you, raise your hand right now. I just wanna acknowledge it. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Is there anyone else in the house today? I see that hand. Keep your hand raised. Remember, we publicly are declaring that we're gonna follow Jesus It's part of it. I see that hand in the back, hallelujah. Amen. I'm gonna ask you to do something, okay? Something super special in just a moment. If you raised your hand, I want you to come and line up over here. I wanna lead you in a prayer, okay? But I also wanna ask you something else. Please come right now, if you can. Just line up right here. People wanna give their heart to Christ for the first time or they wanna rededicate. Give me a hand, hallelujah. Amen. Go ahead and line up over here. Sorry, man. Yeah. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. Come on up, boys. Okay, y'all can be seated. You guys, I want you to pray. I'm gonna preach right here, okay? Need you to pray. Okay, awesome. Uh, prayer teams, will you come up and join me as well? You probably didn't bring enough stuff up, hallelujah. Come on up, prayer teams. Okay, here's two things. Number one is this. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. Now remember, this doesn't make you saved, but it's the beginning of your salvation, okay? This prayer says if you declare with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead and he's forgiven you of your sins, you will be saved. That's what it says. If it says you won't be bound for hell, you'll be bound for heaven. Then I'm gonna ask you something else. I know you don't got a t-shirt, like I got a t-shirt, but if you want, we're gonna baptize you right now. Right, you gotta take some things out of your pockets. But we got a baptismal pool here. If you wanna do that, we will baptize you, okay? Don't feel like you need to, but it's an opportunity, amen? Okay, will you close your eyes? Will you just extend your hands, okay? If you put your hands out like this, this is as if you're receiving a gift, okay? All right, when I say repeat after me, I want you to repeat after me and say it out loud, okay? So I'm gonna pray first and then I'm gonna have you say this prayer and then I'm gonna ask you to make it real with God. Okay, 
Holy Spirit, come right now. Come right now. Come right now. Move in a mighty way. Fill them right now with new life. What was dead is now alive in Christ. We thank you. We thank you. Father in heaven, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. Hear our prayers now. Ooh, it's going to be real, 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 real. Okay, repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I give you my life. I surrender my will. I surrender my mind. I surrender my heart. And I surrender my soul to you. I'm a sinner in need of a savior. Come and save me now. Make it real in my life. I recognize that you died on the cross for me and that you rose from the grave and you're alive now. Be alive in me right now. Right now. Right now. I give you my life right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I want you to close your eyes and right now between you and him, make it real. Make it real. Just you and him talk. If you don't know what to say to him, just say thank you. Thank you. And if you feel comfortable, say I love you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you. Hallelujah. Now we have some prayer leaders that are going to walk up to you. They're going to give you a book. In that book, it talks about what it means to be saved. Who is Jesus? What is salvation? Who's the Trinity? What does it mean to walk after God? And, and uh, they're going to give this to you right now.